Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Welcome along to the Short Paul or Rugby Pass podcast. Mills Mulliana and Scotty Stevenson with you. And uh, Millsy, what a round of Super Rugby. The mm. Blues losing their way again against uh, what can only be described as a Chiefs pickup team. And the Crusaders too good for the Stormers. And the Hurricanes looking rather shambolic over in Argentina, but doing enough to get the job done over a Haguero side that can't scrum, can't line out and can't tackle. <laughs> Is that about sum it up? Yeah, that sums it up. All right, but it's great. The Hurricanes came away with some points. Was good. So they needed that. I mean, uh, that first week they looked uh, really lethargic. And to come away from a fairly big trip... And to be at home against the Crusaders, they needed those they needed those points, didn't they? Yeah, you don't want to come and face Crusaders 0-2 to start the season. What we thought we'd talk about today on the short ball are some issues around the New Zealand Super Rugby team, some injuries, some news, some new coaching movements as well. But uh, before we get into that today, we thought we'd talk to Bryce Lawrence, who uh, manages New Zealand's referees. And we have uh, a number of New Zealand referees refereeing at the highest level in the game. It's a good day to you, Mr. Bryce Lawrence. Hi, Simo. Hi, Mills. Hey, yeah, mate. Now, Bryce, we wanted to get you on because obviously every time a new season starts, uh, fans have question marks over some of the rulings, uh, some of the ways that that referees are adjudicating the law book. Uh, From what you have seen in the opening rounds, Bryce, has there been anything to concern you or any trend that you've noticed so far this season? No, it's a good question. Um, It does start every year with people talking about law changes. Mm. There aren't many. and the ones that have been brought in have been brought in from World Rugby to try and improve the game. <clears throat> I suppose what I've noticed at the moment is New Zealand teams very positive at scrum time, uh, holding their body weight and keeping a gap, mm. which is what the referees and teams have agreed needs to happen. And probably overseas teams not as balanced at scrum time, not holding the gap, and potentially in games overseas, more resets and more scrum decisions being made by referees. Mm. So I think that's taking a bit of time to adjust. Um, the good thing is that our New Zealand teams are very positive about it. They're very well coached in that area, and we're having very few problems in our very entertaining local derbies. Yeah, I, I saw one uh, issue, I guess, for Nick Bryant, a New Zealand referee who was refereeing the Haguares uh, Hurricanes game. Uh, a lot of penalties or free kicks given for pre-engagement, Bryce. Is that something that you guys have focused on as a refereeing team and that and that Super Rugby referees in general are looking at? Um, 
slightly. Um, I suppose just some background. Last year we allowed pre-engagement mm. in Super Rugby. Uh, World Rugby and Tier 1 test coaches, including the All Black coaches, um, don't believe having pre-engagement helped. So now Super Rugby's fallen in line with World Rugby and all other rugby where there must be a gap. So if you don't actually leave the gap and you pre-engage, the first decision is a free kick. Mm. The second time you do it, it goes to penalty. And that's what Nick had to do in the game in Argentina. Mm. He went to penalty for pre-engagement where the Hadaguaris just wouldn't uh, maintain control of their body weight and on the set allow a small gap so there is some movement when they engage. Now, that was probably pretty disappointing from Nick's point of view that he had to go to that stage, but Mm. he just couldn't get the scrums to settle and couldn't get the teams to buy into it. And that's probably what I mean by you don't see a lot of that in New Zealand local derbies, but you do see more scrum issues potentially with overseas teams. Mm. Bryce, uh, one of the one of the new rules that you haven't sort of really mentioned, and it's probably sped up the um, uh, the ball, particularly at ruck time, is that one you know where uh, the tackle ball one, where you've got to get back up on your feet and sort of enter the gate. Um, you know that's obviously promoted positive sort of uh, running rugby, and um, and I suppose in some ways um, benefited the guys that have made massive breaks. You know, you get to the back and a fullback will, will tackle someone and then he's over the ball straight away. In the past, you know, you've been penalised for making breaks. Have you had much feedback from players and in particular coaches on, on that rule? Because it's, it's, I find it really a, a really good rule. Yeah, look, it's been driven by team coach feedback. Um, I think generally people just want the breakdown to be tidier mm. and easier to understand. So easier to understand for the players, for the refs for the commentators and also for the public who are watching. And at times, people say it's uh, hard to understand, hard to read what the referee's deciding, and potentially, you know, you get the word inconsistent thrown around. Um, I think what, I, what I've noticed is these rules are really just brought in to try and make it tidier. So the tackler has to come back around to his side so he can't stand up and, and interfere with play. That makes it tidier. You can't mess up the ball at the breakdown by kicking it anymore. The only way you can kick it is to rake it back. So potentially it's um, creating faster ball, I agree, Mills. And I think what you will see over time is if teams don't commit enough players to protect the ball, you will get teams that judge, here's a moment for us, and they'll counter counter ruck Mm -hmm. and blow the opposition off the ball and and win turnovers, which are you know pretty hard to get in rugby nowadays. So I think it's just a balancing act between teams making decisions, do we compete or do we just D up? And is it our moment now to win the turnover? And if it is, we're going to throw some bodies in there and, um, and try and win good turnover ball. It doesn't doesn't seem like the turnover rate's gone down at all, uh, given the fact that new laws come into play, Bryce. So you're on the short ball with Mills and Scotty. Bryce Lawrence, New Zealand's referee supremo, joining us on the show just to discuss some issues for those of us who may have some concerns about early games or some question marks over certain decisions. I guess the elephant in the room uh, all the way through uh, the week leading into round two, Bryce, or round three, was um, the yellow cards, the high tackles. Uh, it is something that uh, referees are very cognizant of. Uh, I, I would put to you that, that there will be no backtracking from referees in terms of how they adjudicate high tackles in the game. Yeah, look, it was a big talking point, um, and, and quite rightly it was a big talking point, and rugby people were um, you know, debating the pros and cons of it, and I, I applaud that. Um, our stance on high tackles hasn't changed from the, the year 
um, in 2016-2017. Uh, World Rugby want there to be harsher on-field uh, sanctions for high tackles and contact with the head. And likewise, there's uh, quite harsher penalties off-field if you go to judiciary. Mm-hmm. And that incidence with uh, Boshier and Crotty, <coughs> the contact was made with the head, shoulder first, and then bouncing up to the head. It was in the act of scoring. So it is a penalty because it's a high tackle or there's contact with the head. Mm. And because it was in the act of scoring and only because it was in the act of scoring, the penalty then becomes, or the question then becomes, did it prevent a probable try? Mm. Answer, probably yes. And therefore, it can't be just a penalty. It has to be a penalty try. And then the law says, rightly or wrongly, that if it is a penalty try and you can identify the person who caused the offence, that player is also yellow carded. Mm. So that's not a discretionary decision for the ref. That's actually what the law says. People are arguing, well, how do you stop them? And I think that's a very valid question. And what I'm saying to the likes of Colin Cooper, who I had a great chat with it is, it's really just a rugby discussion with a lot of people in the room because ultimately it's a world rugby law decision. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the moment, the referees are encouraged to look after the player's safety and to follow the world rugby guidelines. So if there's contact with the head, the minimum sanction is a penalty. And in this case, it prevented a probable try. And the rest is history, as we say. Bryce, I mean, I mean, we, we totally agree with with uh, with that, that ruling and everything else. But I suppose that the frustrating part is from someone that's watching and then in particular with, with us last week, and it was was a massive talking point. Is there a policy of like you or, or someone in World Rugby actually coming out and, ex, and explaining that you know during the week? So then it sort of cuts out you know those people in rugby that are going to talk about. It. I mean, we had a scenario when and then the Welsh English game. Where the TMO got it right, wrong, and you know they came out straight away. Obviously, we had the Lions tour, um, that ended up in a draw, but there was sort of no sort of you know feedback as to how that was. You've just explained something right now, you know. If you can describe the guy that sort of gave that penalty try away, then it's automatic yellow yellow card. I mean, that's that's plain and simple. A little of the law. So why why aren't we sort of or why aren't you know referees coming out and, and putting a statement out straight away to actually try and you know prevent those buddy the, the the burning fires that we have during the week yeah it's a great question and um it's one of my personal frustrations at times that <laughs> I often have to listen to the radio and television and <laughs> and I think um you know, while people are absolutely trying their best, sometimes the information they're giving out is wrong. Mm. And I'm sitting there thinking, if only we could explain this um, better, people would understand. Mm. I, I think the simple answer is, Mills, World Rugby um, make their decision about what they comment about about the games that they run, yeah. like Six Nations. Sanzar make the decisions about what they comment about, about Super Rugby. Mm-hmm. And New Zealand ultimately makes the decisions that what they're going to comment about regarding the competitions that they run, which are really Mitre 10 and Heartland and Farrah Palmer and Doc Hobbs under 19. My only comment to you is I want refereeing to be better understood by people and I want refereeing to be seen as a sport that um, other people potentially might be encouraged to take, mm. take part in. So my personal view is we need to um, A, educate and B, also put our hand up when we get it right or wrong. Mm. Um, so that's why, you know, my personal view is, and I know New Zealand supports it, we, we want to be more transparent and honest. 
At times, we're not allowed to because other people are running the competition. But my personal stance is let's educate and inform and discuss and debate. And we're all human. So most people in New Zealand are really good if you're just honest with them. Even if they don't like it, they uh, generally just appreciate the honesty. So um, that would be my stance. And I know New Zealand are very supportive of that view. So we're doing everything we can to be upfront and honest and, and share our story with people. Well, this is going a long way today, Bryce, and we thank you for your time. Uh, you've been in this game for a long time, mate. Your father before you was a referee as well, and uh, you followed in his footsteps. You know, we were talking uh, before the Blues game, Bryce, you know, the fact that a lot of the criticism regarding the Lachlan Bashir incident uh, came from a certain quarter of the rugby viewing public that said the game's going soft. You know, halfway through that game, we looked at each other and said, if this game has gone soft, then uh, I don't know what we're watching. Uh, the game is brutal, and, and referees now uh, are in the middle of what can only be deemed all-out warfare. Some of the hits on Friday night at Eden Park were frightening. Is there uh, a concern from the referees that the game has got over-physical at all? No, um, I don't think that referees talk about it being over-physical, but I totally agree with you. Um, obviously, I've, I've been involved a long time myself, but as a kid, I used to watch a lot of rugby that Dad used to referee, including the likes of Maya Malsam and <laughs> Kevin Everly and those hard men of those days. Mm. Um, it's definitely not soft, the game. The modern game is tough. Mm. It's brutally quick. It's extremely physical. I mean, I was at the game on Friday night, and some of those tackles on the likes of uh, Bryn Gatlin and Damien McKenzie, I mean, I was I was feeling them in the grandstand um, myself. <laughs> um, all I can say is that the athletes, the players, are so fit and so fast and so well-conditioned, and the referees are so much fitter and so much faster and mm. so much stronger than in my day. Um, the game is very, very physical, and I look, that's the balance with rugby, isn't it? We all want it to be safe. We've got to keep player safety as our paramount importance for all referees. And that's why at times, sometimes the, the punter can say, oh, the referee overreacted. I'm sure that if he, if he, if he did overreact, it's purely driven by player safety first and foremost. And in the end, they're making a decision in a split second. And if they're doing it for player safety, I'll back them 100% because ultimately, it's a tough game, and uh, yeah. I think the educated people out there know, Sumo, mm. it's not getting any softer and it's not getting any slower. So um, it's a challenging balance. Yeah, finally, Bryce, from us, are you happy with the way that your boys are refereeing in particular, the Kiwi uh, men who have been selected to referee at Sanzar level and, and beyond for that matter? Look, I am. I think we've made a really good start. Mike Fraser's up this week in Argentina. He's the last New Zealander to get him to be in the middle. Uh, guys, have, Our guys prepared really well pre-season, had a week in Super Rugby clubs doing the fitness and conditioning work that the teams do. They're very motivated, they're very prepared, uh, they're very fit, and um, you know they're doing really well, and Jacko did fantastically well in his Island-Wales game in Six Nations, and Ben's over there shortly to do a Six Nations, so now we're really happy with our guys, but... Um, like the players, you're only as good as your last game. <laughs> has Mike Fraser got over the fact that Ricky Riccatella used his thigh as a towel on the weekend? I was just talking to Mike this morning, Simo. You wouldn't believe it. He um, told me that he dropped off his laundry at a local laundromat in Argentina. Him and Nick dropped it off. 
trying to save the business some money, which I applauded. <laughs> and they went back the next day to pick up their laundry, and Nick got his bag back, beautifully washed, ironed, and folded, and Mike's had gone missing. They <laughs> think they'd given it to someone else, and they were hoping that it would be returned. Can I be honest? So, that, but, that uniform belongs in someone else's closet. They, they, they're dressing them like candy canes over there. Very noticeable, wasn't it? I applauded. I applauded that uniform. You know, we'll be getting phone calls from people overseas asking for one of those uniforms. People love the pink and the yellow. Mike's just happy to get any gear back, I think. (laughs) Hey, Bryce, we really appreciate you joining us, mate. And I know you've cleared up a few questions uh, for the punters uh, listening as well. So thanks very much for giving us your time, mate. I know it's appreciated by all. Thanks, mate. Catch up soon. Cheers, buddy. Bryce Lawrence Bye. there, manager of uh, New Zealand's referees. And uh, it's it's great to hear his point of view. Mm. And, and I'm totally with you, Mills, and I, and I know Bryce is as well. We, we've been having this conversation for years about whether or not it's apt or uh, reasonable for the head of New Zealand's referees or Lyndon Bray, head of Sanzar's referees, to just to come out every week and say, look, we understand these are the concerns from the public. Let us explain the decision-making process. Mm. Once you've explained a decision to people, the debate stops. Yeah. Yeah, well, it stops, but it gives you clarity also. I mean, just then with him explaining. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Man, it's been two weeks later. I've got an understanding of what actually happens. Because at the time, I was thinking, well, you've, and a lot of people would, you know, you say, well, he's given a, a yellow card and now he's pinged him twice uh, and given them a, a, a penalty. But, but that's penalty always try. been the law. I mean, I couldn't believe that was a debate. It, well, exactly. Because it, that is just the law. It, it has been the law forever. Exactly. And wh- why would it change? Because people are frustrated. And, and that's the thing. And that's that's the law. When people understand that or be, have been told why that is, you know, it, it just sort of, I suppose, clarifies why it sort of actually happened. Now, then you can actually debate, well, does there need to be a law change as opposed mm-hmm. to why was that? Why was it? Well, the law's the law, and that's the way that he's, he's reffed it. So, um, you know, good on the ref. You're on the short ball with Mills and Scotty as we discuss Super Rugby uh, heading into the next week. We'll get to the games in a second, but just a brief look back at what we saw on the weekend. Uh, we've got to discuss the Blues again. Uh, I wrote a column that was widely pilloried by the uh, Rugby Pass Fano. Uh, was, it? was it? Yeah, well, it was, and, and because it's a theory that uh, doesn't get talked about very often, and the, and the theory is basically this. Uh, Auckland City does not help the Blues. It's a big city. It's very different to Hamilton. It's very different to Christchurch, Dunedin, uh, Wellington. Uh, I noted it got a lot of criticism 
and people who have never lived in Auckland, come along, try it. I've been here 25 years. It's a cake hole. Um, <laughs> we're just talking about different reasons outside of sack the coach and find a first five. Why this team doesn't seem to have the same strength of bond that the other New Zealand teams have. Uh, I know I use traffic as an example. But by the way, that, that's just a simplistic way of trying to illustrate a point, so don't come at me on that. But anyway, <laughs> you, you know, the fact is the Blues are a very different team. Yeah. It's not because there's Pacific Island players. It's because they live in a very big city and they live at all four corners of a very big city. They don't hang out together like you guys used to at the Chiefs. No. They don't live in each other's pocket yeah. like the Highlanders do. I, I think there is a fundamental reason why those bonds don't quite seem to be there with the Blues that mm. they are with other teams. And, and I would put to you that rugby, as a distinct professional sport, requires a real strength of connection in order to get the job done. That's where the self-belief and self-reliance comes from. Oh, I'm huge on culture because that sort of sets everything up with, for, for a team. You know, if you're having uh, a personal uh, or a connection with a guy that you're playing against, when it comes to the tough times, and the Blues had plenty, have had plenty of those Hell over the last yes. couple of years, uh, last couple of weeks, should I say? You know, that's when you need you need to trust the guy beside you. And uh, I mean, I looked on, um, I think it was Ryan Crotty's uh, Instagram page the other day, and. They had guys yeah, down 10 there. 10 guys out for lunch out the day for, before the game. Out for dinner. Yeah. You know, they had a dress um, yeah. call that they, I think was yeah. back to school. You can't do that here in Auckland. You, no. you just, guys are at different parts of the of, of the of the city. And, and by the time you actually catch up, it's probably 10 p.m. Correct. And so, and then you have the other, I suppose, issue. If you do end up sort of staying in the, oh, I suppose, the clubhouse the whole day, it just wrecks you. And yeah. so, um, and the other thing is, is costs. And so, for a player to come up to Auckland, you know, if they're getting the paid, everyone's getting paid the same amount in the franchise. Well, it's going to cost you an extra ten k at least for that for that year to actually yeah. to live up here. So yeah. why would you want to come up? Well, that's it. And and one of the questions asked when I when I put the column up on Rugby Pass uh, is that, or oh, how do you explain the the ninety six ninety seven teams and why did they win Super yeah. Rugby? Well, I'll put to you this: those Blues teams yeah. of the mid nineties had pretty much all played all-black rugby together, mm. had come up through three clubs, University, Ponsonby and Marist. Yeah. They had played club rugby together and against each other. They had played provincial rugby together for mm. years. Mm -hmm. Those bonds were there. Yeah. Super rugby was new and exciting, but those players, had they all knew each other so, so well, yeah. uh, by and large. That's why they were successful. Yeah. And uh, and I think that there there is something there. I'm not saying this is the, the great excuse, this is the, yeah. the, the theory to rule them all. It's yeah. just a theory because I tire of people talking about the fact that Blues have got no talent. It's absolute freaking bullshit. Yeah. That team is so talented. Milani Nanai outran everyone in the comp last week. Mm -hmm. I mean, Bryn Gatlin is a very good first five. Akita mm -hmm. Ioani is starting to show just some of what he's capable of. Mm -hmm. Patrick Tuipolotu was one of the most destructive second rows in the game over the last two seasons. Their front row is special. James Parsons has played well two games straight. Come on. Mm -hmm. This is not about talent. This is about all the indefinable qualities of a rugby team. And they're very different. To a football team yep. or to a basketball team yes, yeah, yeah. or to a hockey team. Rugby is its own distinct professional yeah. sport, which is why we love it. The Crusaders have got it in spades, yeah. and we saw that again. That first half against the Stormers last weekend, mm. that was a blitzkrieg. Yeah. And even though the Stormers came back and the Crusaders, and they'll be furious with themselves for it, fell asleep mm -hmm. for that opening 20 of the second half, that game was done. Yeah, it was done and dusted. And that's, I mean, that's the difference, really. You know, they, they came out. They knew the Stormers, you know, would have a little bit of fire there, wanting to get stuck in early, but they, they just put that fire up and said, see you later. Yes, they would be disappointed the way they finished. Got a couple of big injuries as well. 
Um, but that just defines a team that's just built on culture, built on trusting your mate. And in contrast to what, what's happened here at, at the Blues, now we're yeah. not saying, you know, that, that what we're talking about with the dynamics of where everyone lives, that's not the excuse. We're not using that as excuse, but... When you're in a, a team environment, you need, you know, um, you know. And I, I sometimes wonder why, you know, a ball like Milani Nainai's went, you know, to ground in the weekend yeah. as opposed to to Yoani's uh, hand. Well, it doesn't seem like much, but at the end of the day, you've, you've got to get those. You've got, you've got to be clicking if you if you want to pass yeah. those balls. I agree. Well, let, let's focus on the Chiefs and, and the positives, because like the Crusaders, key injuries yeah. late in the in the build up too. When Sean Stevenson went down, what about Town Falcon? Yes. Let's just roll into 10. We were sitting on the sideline and uh, you and, and uh, Sir John Kern and me were trying to figure out, oh, what are the Chiefs going to do to reshuffle? We all missed the obvious, yeah. which was to move DMAC back to 15 yeah. and bring Tian Falcon in to start at 10. What a performance from him. Down the line in Christchurch, Billy Harmon replacing the irreplaceable Matt Todd oh, yeah. makes 19 tackles in the game. Only Sam Whitelock made more. <laughs> what a shift from him. That Those teams can just throw anyone into the mix right now, it seems. And get a result. Oh, I mean, Falcon was was outstanding Huge. for me. I mean, uh, it was his first Super Rugby game, and to come in like that, um, he he was absolutely amazing. And and so there's plenty of talent in there. When you look at guys like that to, to step up in pressure moments um, and and come away with the goods. I mean, the Chiefs they didn't have them. They shouldn't have won that game. No, Brody Retallick. They had so many, and they've got some uh, season-ending ones as well. That's right. But Hart got them through. And so you look at that and, you, you, like, I've got to give a massive hand to, to Tion Falcon because he just played outstanding. The Crusaders have made more tackles per game than any other team, yeah. which is very uncrusader like It's very Highlander-like, actually. Yeah. Uh, and the Highlanders, I know, have only played once, but they only made 80-odd tackles. The Crusaders have made 147 tackles per game. How's this for a stat against the Stormers, who love a carry? Yeah. Six Crusaders combined made more tackles last week than five of the teams put together. Super rugby team. 95 tackles between six Crusaders, including wow. Whitelock, Harmon, Alalator, and Bedwell Curtis. Six Crusaders Ooh. made 95 tackles combined on the weekend in Christchurch. That is more in the game than some teams have averaged, some teams have averaged this year. That is a hell of a defensive effort. Far out. So where do you beat these guys? Wow, that's what you've got to ask yourself. I thought they weren't so great at the transition defense as they have been in the past. Yeah. Their kicking game's not what it was. Also, what's interesting about the Crusaders, and I know the Hurricanes will be cognizant of this, their passing game is not what it was. Oh, Crusaders yeah. have led passing stats over the last two seasons, but they are well down the chart in their passing. Mm. Do you think there's a change of philosophy there that, that the Crusaders are trying to just subtly change their game, or is it just they're trying to beat teams up? I think... Well, they've always got. They've always tried to beat teams up up front, but there is a, a there's a subtle change in the fact they're actually running things from every, everywhere. So sure. they're looking for opportunities straight away. But I suppose um, the advantage that they've got is you know they can sit there and be you know really patient. They've got a massive forward pack that's going to win them quality ball, and so perhaps the passing isn't quite sticking. But their ability to run out of their own 22 when they want is, and, and also kick, you know, the old uh, kick pass mm. and all of them right across the field can do it. And, the, and when you've got guys like Bridge out wide that are, are coming into some great form, you, you've got to still think about guys like uh, Israel Dag. They've still got to come back. And so 
I think, if anything, there is a slight sort of um, difference in the way they've, they've kind of approached things, you know, being able to run things from, from everywhere, really, to be totally honest. How much are they going to miss Richie Moonga? Yeah. Or is Mitch Hunt just going to slot straight in there and Mike D coming in off the well, bench? Well, I mean, they've got plenty of experience with Mike D coming uh, coming back, old Mullies. But Mitch Hunt showed last year what he can do. You know, he, uh, Moanga was out for four weeks um, at the beginning of the season. Mitch Hunt ran, ran the cutter. And <laughs> that's the quality they've got. You know, when you, it, it's not like he's doing this another year. A, a first year sort of uh, number 10. He's, he's got another year under his belt. And... He knows how to run things. Look at the drop goal he, he, he dropped last year. How can year. we forget? New Zealand's oh. favourite sporting moment. Uh, Ronan O'Gara uh, today blew more smoke up Bowden Barrett's ass than anyone in history, saying he uh, could well challenge Dan Carter to be the greatest first five ever. Um, you know, the Hurricanes look more chaotic than I have seen them in, in five seasons <laughs> of footy. Yeah. Now, and take nothing away from their victory in Argentina, but... Man, they play chaotic rugby. What is up with their kicking game at the moment? Bowden Barrett chucked up two defensive bombs, then another defensive chip across to Julian Savia. Uh, he's kicked more than any other 10 in the, in the competition so far. I think they're up to 28 kicks per game, the Hurricanes. I, I don't know what's going on there. In fact, I'm wondering if behind the scenes there's some, some deep chaos at the Hurricanes at the moment. <laughs> they've got, well, they've got to change a coach. Chris Boyd has announced he's leaving. I mean, is there something going wrong there? Because they just do not seem to be clicking the way they have clicked no. over the last three seasons. Look, you're right. And, and the thing is, they're making mistakes that the Hurricanes teams never make. You know, over the last couple of seasons, they never make basic errors like that. Perhaps, you know, they've sort of gone over to, um, you know, to South Africa and in particular this tour thinking, you know, we can still try and get our game right. And then once they come back, you'll see an intensity lift. You know, mm. this week, I suppose they'll, they'll try and uh, recover as much as they can. But they've been known in the past to be able to actually, you know, front up against the Crusaders at home and uh, what well, and at the at, at AMI, say, yeah. Mm. And so perhaps that is perhaps they've gone in there thinking, okay, let's just keep keep our you know get our game right, and by the time we come back home, then we can sort of start to nail things down a little bit. But they just seem a little bit erratic at the moment. They're they just do all over the place. Yeah, yeah, it's a great word for it. Oh, it's going to be a cracking game. Saturday night, the Hurricanes take on the Crusaders uh, at Westpac Stadium. I think the Crusaders would have to go in favourites given the fact mm. they haven't had to leave yeah. and coming back from those tours, as we know from experience, is pretty tough. Highlanders back in action as well after the bye week, uh, Millsy. Uh, look, the Highlanders did what they needed to do against the Blues yeah. um, and there are signs there that Aaron Major's got his uh, iron yeah. tactically. Yeah. Uh, Rob Thompson was a superstar in that game. Do we see the Highlanders changing too much from what we've seen from them over the last four years? Oh, look, I, th I think Major's similar to, to Tony Brown, really. I mean, if you look at the game against the Blues, you know, there was two key moments, and that was from set piece. You know, those things that he come up uh, with and, and, and both scored off. Yes, one was a chip kick and the other one, you know. But I like the way they worked that move, that inside pass. You know, you know, a couple of sequences before that, they went sort of back to the blind and went wide and sort of, then when they went to the, the try scoring move, they caught the Blues on the inside, and so um, you know, as is uh, very good at coming up with things like that. I don't think they'll change too much. Um, they didn't kick as much against mm. uh, against the uh, the Blues, and we know they love to kick and then just um, crush you, crush you exactly. But the kicks that they did do were right on. I, I love the fact that when the crucial times come. You know, the Smiths, you know, they stood up, you know, and it was just basic stuff. You know, Aaron Smith putting the ball uh, when, when he was box kicking, putting it right on the spot. So then Ben Smith, you know, who wanted, he actually came from fullback and went to the wing to actually chase those box kicks. Mm. When the Blues sort of did the opposite, who caught it? 
you know, Ben Smith. And so those guys really stood up and they, they thrive on guys like that doing the basic things well. Their team thrives on it and you can just see the lift in them. So I don't think they'll change too much, but I certainly think they'll, they'll come off with a bit of confidence. Well, what's interesting for me about the, the Highlanders is that they, their fundamental skills are so strong. Their ruck percentage is the best in the competition. Yeah. I think 10 of the 23 who started last weekend have 100% tackle success rates. So you know you've got to look after your ball and you know they're going to make their tackles. That's the concern for me with the Stormers, who looked all a little one-dimensional, especially when they come back. And I know it was effective. They scored some points off yeah. it. But I don't know if they're going to barge their way to victory through the Highlanders' four-pack. Well, you, you, when you've got guys that have physically you know, bar, physically bar up and love the contact and love defending, I mean, they've got to, find, they've got to be innovative with how they score their tries. And uh, they just can't be the normal big South Africans trying to smash through you know because if they, they start doing that you know I think they'll be you know back end of a, of a hiding and so are they uh, Feeney Feeney's he's key you know he needs to actually you know get his team right and, and sort of come up with ways to score you know where that is I wouldn't I wouldn't have a clue to be totally honest so that's why I'm not a coach well I mean they showed enough I mean they've, they've got impressive backs I thought Daylendi was really yeah. good against yeah. the Crusaders I think they create enough they just their finish was missing uh, last weekend against the Crusaders so that'll wrap it up for the round from a New Zealand point of view finally Millsy Jono Gibbs yeah. homecoming back to the mighty Waka Chang Chang the Mulu man wow that's massive isn't he's it? taken a pay cut <laughs> he's got to have taken he's a pay cut he's obviously over those extra zeros that he's getting over there mate so do you, do you know I'm thrilled that he's coming back yeah uh, it's great for, for Waikato I mean don't no disrespect to Sean by the way but uh, you know it was an untenable position for him once the team got the chop down to the championship look Jono Gibbs is a scary human being you would never let that man down nah absolutely not and then when you think of great Mulu men you know you obviously uh Dwayne Monkley and and Jono Gibbs, he's massive there, and so he'll know what it's all about. He'll know what it, what it takes to be uh, to wear that jersey, and you know perhaps they lost that a little bit uh, in the last couple of years. So it's massive, but not only for Waikato and, and the region, but for New Zealand rugby also. Yep. I know we've got some quality coaches here as well, but doesn't that just give you a boost to, to have someone uh, of his stature come back and? Particularly when he, given that he's, you know, he's experienced a little bit overseas as well, so he's not going to, he's not going to be lacking any experience at all. Exactly right. Looking forward to having him back in New Zealand rugby. He'll be back for Waikato for the Mitre Ten Cup. But it's all about Super Rugby this weekend. Catch every game live and exclusive on RugbyPass.com. That's the short ball for another week. Cheers, Millsy. Yeah. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.